Hello and welcome to the DeathCast. I am your host, author, and journalist Ian Totten. I'd like to thank you for joining me as we are starting off the new year with an interview with one of my favorite people and a friend of the show, private investigator Ed Opperman. Uh, Before we get into that, as always, I have the normal show notes. If you'd like to follow me on social media, just search for the DeathCast, DeathCast Pod, or DeathCast Podcast. If you'd like to help support the show, a couple ways you can do that. Leave a five-star review wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. You can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash the DeathCast and leave a one-time donation, or you can go to tinyurl.com backslash dcast patreon and for as little as $2.99 a month you can get access to exclusive content and early ad free episodes all right all of that's out of the way i've got ed on the line let's go into this interview this week we're going to be discussing something that's in the news quite a bit and that is jeffrey epstein Ed, are you there? I am here, and I'm listening to your show notes today. I think I'm going to change my Patreon to uh, 2.98 and undercut the Ian Totten (laughs) 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 and steal your entire audience there, Ian. It's a we we have a lot of crossover. (laughs) It's all all fair and loving war. (laughs) That's it. Chasing the almighty dollar. Yeah. So this is your second time on this show. First time you were on, we discussed Roy Raiden, and we also talked a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein. You should tell the audience who you are. Well, okay, let's see. Uh, my name is Ed Opperman. I host the Opperman Report. Uh, you could find us on uh, Spreaker.com, iHeart, all the podcast platforms, and Monday to Friday uh, on AMFM Radio. Uh, I'm a private investigator, a digital forensic investigator, uh, for been a long, long time, like 40 years, man. Uh, God, Zooks, you know, where are the years going? Mm-hmm. Uh, long history, uh, interesting, uh, uh, a lot of interesting cases, a lot of interesting stuff uh, to talk about that I talk about on the show all the time, including Jeffrey Epstein, which was one of my cases. So now, how did you get involved with the Epstein case? Okay, um, I was I was just telling a story last night, and I wasn't expecting to tell this part of the story. Uh, what happened was I was involved in a stalker intervention. My client uh, was being stalked by his ex-wife, uh, and I was able to, to track her down uh, on his, uh, visiting his web page to send him emails through his web page. And I was able to track her down and create a report for that. And uh, I had to testify in that case down in Florida. And ultimately, this woman was crazy, and she started stalking me after uh, I was involved in all this. So it was a violation parole, she, uh, violation probation hearing. And I had to go down to Florida, and I was in a waiting room. This is around 2009, 2010. And I saw a magazine article about some billionaire in Palm Beach, and he was having three little girls come to his house every day to give him massages. And he was convicted for this, but he got very little jail time. And so I read this article, and I said, well, what a story. Uh, I didn't have a radio show or anything back then. I hadn't written a book yet or anything. And then years later, 2013, when I did have a radio show, I said right away, I says, you know, that's one of the stories I want to tell on the, on the show. Because back then, no one was talking about this uh, child sex trafficking or pedophilia or anything like that at all. It was a hugely taboo uh, subject at the time. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, the Art Bell Network uh, wanted to pick up my show, and the first show I sent them was about the uh, the Franklin cover-up, and they says, what the hell is this? We're not going to cover this topic. Now it's the only thing people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So um, I was looking for a guest. I couldn't find a guest to come on the show, because when you Google Jeffrey Epstein back in those days, you couldn't find anything. And there was definitely no YouTube channels or doing, uh, doing shows about him. Uh, so I found Robert Morrow, who's like this uh, interesting character. <laughs> He's like this Republican operative, uh, conservative operative. He worked at the time for uh, Roger Stone as his ghostwriter. Uh, he's since had a big falling out with the Roger Stone. But at the time, he was a big fan of Donald Trump. And when I asked him about the Trump connection to Epstein, he says, no, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing. Uh, he said, in fact, he said, Trump's likes big-breasted women like I do. And uh, according to... Uh, his anyway, we had him on the show for an hour, and uh, even then, I did the second hour with myself just for my own research on the Epstein case. So that was the first radio show anywhere on Epstein, and uh, I started getting interviewed about it and talking to other people about it. And uh, at the time, when you Googled my name, Ed Opperman, and you went to Google Images, Jeffrey Epstein's picture would come up. I was so associated with the Epstein case. And uh, 2015, I heard about this lawsuit. Uh, this Katie Johnson lawsuit against Trump and Epstein, where uh, as a 13-year-old girl, she was raped by Trump and Epstein. We heard about that, and, you know, just like everybody else, you know, I I read about it online, Uh, but then I was contacted by the attorney. The first lawsuit was run by, it was like a do-it-yourself operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had filed the, the lawsuit pro se with the help of this guy uh, this fellow, <laughs> okay, who was helping her out, and it fell apart. There was all kind of uh, errors in the lawsuit, uh, but it was picked up by an attorney in New Jersey, Tom Mayer, and uh, he was looking around for a private investigator that he needed to work on the case, and he hired me. So he hires you, and uh, you start digging into it. I mean, I remember that period of time. There, you were right. There really wasn't a lot of information about Epstein out there. I it was one of those cases I kind of stumbled across by accident. Yeah. Um, what kind of stuff were you finding as you started looking into it, if you can talk about any of it? Yeah, that's the problem with this, okay? Um, at the time, when I was first hired on the case, I had to sign an NDA in addition to my normal retainer agreement. Uh, we had to sign an NDA with this, uh, preventing me from talking about anything. And it wasn't until later on, after the death of Epstein, finally, when I kept hitting him up and saying, hey, look, man, you know, I took this job cheap. You know, so I can talk about it. <laughs> you got to let me talk about it. And I, I am allowed to talk about that. I worked on the case, and I could talk about some things around him. By the way, too, but it's public knowledge. There were three witnesses in that case. We had three witnesses, okay? Mm-hmm. So people who say uh, out there, oh, I took a deep dive on this, and I looked into this, and there was nothing there, and it was thrown out by the court. The first one was thrown out by the court, but the, the Litigation was ultimately um, withdrawn when Lisa Bloom came on board. I wasn't involved with it at the time by then, uh, but when Lisa Bloom came on board, uh, she was going to do a uh, a press conference on live stream uh, the week of the election, and there was a dedicated denial of service attack on the live stream servers and on Lisa Bloom's servers that uh, shut them down. Okay, so that's not that's not like anonymous or a bunch of volunteers on Reddit uh, shutting down a server. That was a state state level attack uh, to take down her servers. And it's interesting that later on we find out the uh, the uh, Internet Research Group run by that fellow who uh, 
uh, just pulled that attempted coup in Russia. You know, he runs that internet research group that was named in the uh, Steele dossier of being involved with Trump. So they, they had the capabilities to shut down that, uh, those servers. Um, then you had um, that week, I'm listening, I'm just happy to be driving along, listening to Sean Hannity, and he's interviewing Corey Lewandowski, and he goes, yep, we dodged a bullet this week. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, Epstein. <laughs> so they were well aware, they were worried about that lawsuit, they were worried about that press conference, and they got it to shut down. And uh, Lisa Bloom was quiet about it, too, for a long time until she was interviewed by Ronan Farrow for his book, uh, Catch and Kill, mm-hmm. and described the whole scenario about how it was shut down uh, by that dedicated denial of service attack. Uh, also, too, another thing I always like to bring up, too, is that uh, Steve Bannon uh, came out with a statement uh, when he was supporting that character, Roy Moore, uh, for uh, whatever position it was down there, I forget what it was, who had similar allegations against him. Uh, Ivanka Trump came out and says, oh, I can't endorse this Roy Moore. That's that's cool. That's a bridge too far. I'm not involved with this. And Steve Bannon came back with a public statement and says, what about her father and, and that 13-year-old? So Steve Bannon was very close friends with Epstein and very close to Trump still is to this very day. And he believed it. Uh, he was all blind. You know, so there's that too. Well, we have that and we there's still people that think that you know, Trump was just on the periphery of all of this. Um, did you? I, I imagine you saw information that led you to believe that he wasn't just cluttering around the sides and was actually. In- oh no, I am one hundred percent convinced in the in the in the, in the validity of that lawsuit, one hundred percent. And one of my roles in all that was to find co-counsel because uh, uh, Mr. Mayor was wasn't that wasn't his specialty in uh, sexual battery cases, and it is mine. And I shopped that around to many law firms. Nobody turned it down. Everyone uh, was ready to go on that. So, and it's a shame because, you know, now, for me, it was like work. You know, this is my job. This is my work every day, you know? Yeah. For, for a long time. And I couldn't talk about it Friday nights. I dropped a lot of hints when I do my Friday night live show on, on Spreaker, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I dropped a lot of hints during that period of time. And I would love somebody to go back and do a, you know, take all those clips and add them all together. That would be very interesting stuff because I was talking about a lot of stuff. Um, but now everyone's like become like some kind of an expert on this. And uh, it doesn't matter if you really worked on it, if you're really involved and if you know the, the real details because there's just so much garbage out there on TikTok and Twitter and just foolishness, you know, and, and everyone thinks that, the well, you know, my expertise on this situation is equal to yours or, or, or even if, if they even acknowledge that it was my case, which is a, a whole nother hurdle with <laughs> these people. I'll see people uh, posting about it. huge Twitter stars with 100,000 followers talking about my case. Not just this one, other ones too, my case against Disney. And, and I'll contact them privately and I say, hey, you know, that's my case. Would you like to talk about it? I can tell you what really happened. No, 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 no. We have no time for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's all the time, man. Oh, well, it's, we've got a lot of these people that they do, like you said, you know, a, a deep dive look into it. If you're not looking at court documents and hard evidence, how deep are you really going? So true. And and even like this week, and I know you, you contacted me this week because of a big reveal of the 
uh, Virginia Goofy lawsuit against um, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell mm -hmm. and uh, how they unsealed some names and some depositions in that case. And somehow it turned into this whole, it, first of all, it's a defamation lawsuit. It's not criminal litigation. There's no list, there's no client list. For it. But somehow it came out everywhere that this is some list that's coming out. And they even came out with a fake list of all these names on it. Well, that's the list. And like the disinfo surrounding this story is huge. It's very well financed. A lot of these um, catchphrases that you hear, like uh, Lolita Express and Pedophile Island, they, they want people focusing on the island far away and this airplane with all these crimes took place on this airplane. When really the majority of crimes took place in New York, in Manhattan, and took place in West Palm Beach, okay? Most of these victims came from Royal Palms High School, 25 minutes away from Jeffrey Epstein's house in, in Palm Beach. This is where these crimes took place. One of these victims worked at Mar-a-Lago, okay? Virginia Roberts, when she was 14 years old, Virginia Roberts goofy, when she was 14 years old, was in the girls' locker room over there folding towels when she was plucked up by these pedophiles and these pimps. So then, uh, and then you have, um, they're, they're throwing this thing around all week long about the, the little clip of Brad Edwards saying, oh, Mr. Trump cooperated with us, cooperated with us, right? It came out later on that her settlement with Epstein, okay, and she's one of the superstars in all this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right. <laughs> her settlement with Epstein was only $500,000. Now, I know for a fact that everyone was getting a million bucks back in those days. So... The, the, is there another mysterious $500,000? Okay. Uh, if I was working that lawsuit, I would be asking, well, why aren't we suing Mar-a-Lago? Why aren't we suing Trump? Well, that's where she was when she was uh, preyed upon by these pimps. Why aren't we suing them too? Or at least sending them a letter of intent to sue and, and waiting for a settlement to come uh, offer to come in. So it, it, it baffles my mind that uh, they didn't go after Trump for some money. And it baffles my mind even more that they didn't get some money out of Trump. Uh, we know that uh, we know from uh, guys like Dan O'Hanks, who worked for the tabloids covering up stuff for Trump, um, that uh, he spreads a lot of money around. He spreads a lot of money around to keep these stories quiet. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was shopping around this case here, one of the attorneys said to me, well, is that that story about those uh, – um, Trump being on Epstein, those pictures that are being shopped around about Trump being on Epstein's plane and Epstein being on Trump's plane and Clinton being on Epstein's plane. Is that what you're talking about, Ed, that story? And I says, no, <laughs> it's a totally different story. So I know for a fact that around that time, 2015, there were packages of photos of Trump on Epstein's plane and Epstein on Trump's plane and Bill Clinton on Epstein's plane that were being peddled. And they were bought by somebody, and they were kept uh, covered up. And, I mean, you, you know, they're covering it up. People, a lot of people look at some of this stuff and they think, uh, you know, this is that, you know, the mythical conspiracy theory. Yeah. There's evidence that points to that, you know, there's actually a conspiracy going on. And I imagine you've probably seen more of it than I have. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of deep diving onto this case just because it's so you know out there in the media but what uh you know who who have you seen ties to i mean you know is there any government involvement or anything like that that you're aware of well you know i i did a series of interviews with steven hoffenberg who yes. was jeffrey epstein's business partner um 
And the first interview, he tells us, well, uh, I was contacted by Patrick Lease, uh, who wanted me to hire Epstein because Epstein was having some problems over at that brokerage firm he was working at, which is a whole bizarre story in itself. Um, Patrick Lease was an MI6. He was an arms dealer, you know, a very shady character himself. I have I, often suspected that Hoffenberg himself had some intelligence ties, and he was uh, he was very um, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali around <laughs> those questions. When I would bring them up, he'd be dancing around and, uh, and avoid that question very well. Um, but uh, what happened was with that whole thing too, and that's another story that's pretty much buried. Hoffenberg, Epstein, Darren Endike, Richard Kahn, they ran a company called Tower Financial. And if you look it up, there was some kind of, uh, it was called like a Ponzi scheme, I guess they kind of call it, you know, Hoffenberg described as some accounting errors. <laughs> okay. but what, and, and Rudy Giuliani, by the way, was the corporate counsel. The Rudy Giuliani law firm was the attorney of record for Tower Financial. Now, you're not going to find that. Any, you can Google that all night and day. You're not going to find that. You're only going to find that on my show from the mouth of the guy who wrote the check. He was paying Rudy Giuliani $1 million a year. Mm. Basically, you know, to keep SDNY at bay. But they're <laughs> stealing all his money. But what happened is um, when SDNY does finally start sniffing around, uh, Rudy, Epstein, Enzyke, and Khan all turned their backs on Hoffenberg. Hoffenberg wound up going to prison. He never dropped this, uh, his revenge that he wanted against Epstein. He never let, let go of that bone and all that time he was in there. Uh, he also spent some time, too, there in the MCC where, where Epstein died. A small world. And so did A.J. Weberman, another frequent guest on my show. <laughs> I've been in that jail, too, not as, a, as an inmate, but we, uh, I had to interview some uh, clients in that jail, too, uh, when I was back in New York. The, the old uh, organized crime cases we used to do back mm. in Brooklyn. Um. So $400 million winds up missing from the Tower Financial scam, and suddenly $400 million winds up in Southern Trust in the Virgin Islands, run by Epstein and Dyke and Kahn. Now, turns out Hoffenberg passed away about a year ago. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of sad. He's, Hoffenberg was a nice guy. He's a guy who cared about you. When you when I, when we would talk, and you know, he would, knew I had problems. He knew I had things. He, he was concerned about my life and my problems, my family. Very, very uh, good man as far as that goes. You know, the guy was out doing things. You know, what are you going to do? Um, I don't judge anybody else. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it was Hoffenberg who knew the people down in the Virgin Islands. He knew the governor down there. He was friends with him from New York. And it was Hoffenberg who got all that litigation started in the Virgin Islands. They got, they got that whole thing going, you know? And there should be a statue to Stephen Hoffenberg in this story. But his name isn't even very well known. Well, yeah, a lot of people look at him as, just, you know, he was just yeah. swiping money from people and then trying to make a name off of Epstein. Uh, I've listened to a lot of the shows that you did with Hoffenberg. Uh you know, yeah, he made some mistakes, uh, but oh, yeah. it's it's obvious, you know, he was very tight with Epstein and, you know, had a bone to pick with him because Epstein left him holding the bag. 
Yeah, another fascinating thing about Hoffenberg, because you know we were talking for quite a bit of time before he ever came on the show, because he couldn't, because he thought he was going to be a potential witness in the in the criminal cases against Epstein. Because mm-hmm. he was talking to everybody, man. And he would come to me and say, hey, Ed, you know, um, Deutsche Bank is going to stop doing business with Trump. Deutsche Bank is going to stop doing business with Epstein. Uh, it's going to come out in the New York Times tomorrow, okay? And I'd watch the New York Times the next day. It didn't come out. But it would come out like a week later, two weeks later. This guy was on the inside with a lot of real inside information because he knew all these people. He was a source for that book that Dylan Howard uh, wrote about the Epstein with Ari Benbenashi. Uh, he knew Ari Benbenashi. He knew all these guys, man. Hoffenberg knew all these people. He, he knew uh, Rupert Murdoch. You know, he was a big, he ran a pack for Trump. He was supporting Trump there for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the, the entire case, it's, I mean, there's still, there's so much of it that's shrouded in mystery. Um, I've listened to some of the shows that you, you know, have re-released, specifically with Epstein's ties to Mossad, which yeah. really is overwalked. Actually, I kind of think it's uh, over-exaggerated, you know? He had ties with the um, uh, uh, Adnan Khashoggi, okay? <laughs> He worked for Khashoggi. We know that. We know he worked for Patrick Gleese, who was also intelligence. Uh, he worked with U.S. intelligence and Israeli intelligence. And they, I think they all did. I think they all bop around back and forth with this whole crew of guys. Uh, Ari Ben-Manashi, all these guys. By the way, too, you want to hear a Mossad connection to all this? It's very, uh, I can only tell you about my own personal life, my own personal experience. I don't I put a lot of faith in all this Googling. Uh, especially when the, the guys who founded Google turns out they're friends with Epstein. <laughs> I don't think they let much uh, pass through their Google filters. But uh, I go to interview this this woman, right? She wrote this, this woman named Conchita Sarnoff, who was basically, she's the one that put out that four-page letter by, uh, uh, who was that guy? Uh, the prosecutor down there in Florida who made the deal and Trump made him the Commerce Secretary. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. The yeah. Slipping off my tongue at the moment, though. Well, if anybody who's is this interested, they'll know the name. <laughs> so, right. So, what do you call it? Uh, by the way, too, they they man, they crucified that guy. Uh, meanwhile, at the same time, a uh, uh, Bill Barr worked for Kirkland and Ellis at the before Epstein hired them and after Epstein hired them, and no one gave him a, any grief at all. But the, this woman, Conchita Sarnoff, she was the one who um. Uh, Acosta, Acosta. She's the one who put out that letter by that four-page letter by Acosta, uh, where he says, "Oh my goodness, we had, they, my family was being investigated. They had PI stalking us, and we had to we had to give in. <laughs> we had to. It was so scary, and the harassment it was so overpowering. He was contacting my boss. All this stuff. By the way, too, Jeb Bush was in charge down in Florida doing all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so." She's the one that put out that four-page letter. When I read that four-page letter, I says, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. You know, now we know the real story. She's the one that put out all this stuff about a Lolita Express and Pedophile Island. She's the one that was promoting all that. She writes a book called Traffic King, right, with a big capital K in there, Traffic King, King about Epstein. She comes on my show, and she misquotes that quote with the Vicky Ward about the, the, the speakerphone. Oh, me and Epstein friends for 15 years. He likes those girls on the younger side. He likes to have fun. Great guy. She misquoted that several times. I read the quote to her at the time. Um, another thing with that quote, too, you know, at the time I had made a meme of it. My YouTube channel got shut down the same day I made that meme. And everyone thought I made it up because when you Google that phrase, it wouldn't come up. You had to really, really had to put in New York Magazine, Vicky Ward, and then put in that phrase for it to come up on Google. That's how, you know, things were back in those days. 
uh, before they put all these people in there to write books for them and then make Netflix documentaries and then create the narrative that they want out there. Um, anyway, uh, so Conchita Sarnoff writes this book and uh, she's going to come on the show. I tried to get her on the show a few times and then finally she comes back. She agrees to come on. And right before she's to come on, I get a phone call from Victor Ostrovsky. Mossad. Yeah. <laughs> Victor Ostrovsky's Mossad. And he calls me up and says, oh, I want to talk to you about this interview you're doing with my guy. I says, no, no, it's all arranged. We're all arranged. I didn't know who Victor Ostrovsky was at the time. I wasn't paying attention. And he goes, oh, no, no, that's my client. I published a book for her. <laughs> he published a book. Okay. He goes, and I wrote my own book about deception. You, How Mossad uses deception to, to get our way. And uh, the fact, the name of my uh, publishing company is like the, it's still like the fake story or something. <laughs> You know, like the name of his publishing company is some uh, clue there, too. And so I'm saying, oh, my goodness, well, what's going on here? So then uh, when I have good old Conchita Sarnoff on the show, uh, some friends of mine start looking into her. And it turns out that she runs this. Uh, she was friends with everybody down there at Mar-a-Lago. She was friends with everybody. Vicky Ward. She was friends with Trump. She was friends with Epstein, uh, Ivanka, all of them. Ivana, big, big club down there. And her law firm was Kirkland Ellis, Epstein's law firm. Yeah, her uh, uh, she ran a um, advocacy for human trafficking victims that uh, throws a lot of parties, <laughs> raises a lot of money. So that's where she comes from. She, the Mossad publisher, Epstein's lawyers, and she's writing one of these books on this story here. Uh, just incredible, just Wait, incredible. It, it, it sounds like you, you know they're putting a lot of people out there to try and give information and get eyes away from certain characters and really just focus them all on Epstein and Maxwell. That's true too, man. Cause you know, there's a, Sarah Kellen, man, she's guilty of sin and all this. Where, where's her charges? You know, um, that's never talked about. She's got some $6 million condo down in Miami. Um, the, the, this pilot that was flying around all over the joint. What, why isn't this guy being charged? You know, how has he become witnesses? Um, and not being charged. Um, well, another thing that's widely overlooked, too, is the 24-page letter where Epstein uh, claims that he helped create the Clinton Foundation. This was during his sentencing phase, and he was trying to get a good sentencing deal there. And he says, oh, look, Jeffrey Epstein does great work for the for the, the, the humanity. He helped create the Clinton Foundation. Now, I got that letter exclusively. You know, it was written by Jerry Lefcourt, who was Abby Hoffman's uh, attorney uh, back in the old days. And I went, what happened to him, man? What's he doing <laughs> working for Epstein? What happened? Guy used to work for the Black Panthers. You know, and now he's working for Jeffrey Epstein. Um, but uh, so when I got that letter, man, again, everyone thought I made it up. You know, <laughs> it was a fake letter. And you'd think people would be asking, you know, you see these guys, they're screaming at Clinton, how many times you go to the island? Who gives a damn about the island, man? How many times? What about Epstein creating the Clinton Foundation? What about that? <laughs> Mr. Fung, <laughs> what about that? It's just, it's just the whole story is crazy, man. The whole story is crazy. What they put out there and what really is going on is just two whole different uh, worlds. Well, yeah, it reminds me of, um, in a way, of uh, North Fox Island, which was something out in uh, in Michigan, which was a pedophile ring that was operating during the seventies, that was founded by a multimillionaire who skipped bail and went overseas and continued doing the stuff he was doing 
once he this guy skipped bail, every, you know, they they got the little fish and that was the end of it. it. You know, the Epstein case seems very similar to me. They only focus on certain aspects of it, but they leave major portions of it untouched, such as that ranch he had. I think it was out in either New Mexico or or uh, Arizona. Where no, no, in New Mexico, Zorro Ranch. Yeah, and if you look yeah. at the, 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 the chart of the flight logs, a lot of the flights went out to Zorro Ranch, too. Uh, only about 25% of the flights went to the island mm-hmm. uh, of all this trafficking stuff going on here. And Zorro Ranch, too, by the way, Zorro Ranch uh, Trust won the lottery. <laughs> they won like a $10 million lottery or something. Ticket. Uh, very bizarre stuff going on over there. And very little discussion about that, too, which is still, by the way, there's still people there on Zorro Ranch. Wait, I've, I've, I've uh, read interviews with one of the sisters uh, whose names escaped me. She Maria was, Farmer? Yes, she was brought out there and basically left out there for a period of time. Nobody touches that that aspect of it, you know. Well, I, I think the problem with Maria Farmer is, and, and me and Maria Farmer, she was very close with Hoffenberg. They were on the phone every single day. And I was very close to Maria Farmer for a period of time there, too, where we were on the phone every day, too. Um, uh, one thing, the issue with Maria Farmer is, is that uh, she says that she saw ivana trump with maxwell hanging out with maxwell they were together all the time so people don't like that they don't they don't want that out there so she doesn't get a lot of publicity she has a big lawsuit right now against the fbi that again nobody's talking about i have it on my patreon you go to the opera report patreon it's in a free section there you can read it um she's also yeah go ahead I was going to say, you know, we've got that aspect of it. You know, we know they brought her out there. How many others did they bring out there that we're just not aware of? Well, also, too, she she went to the FBI in 1996 about Epstein. Yeah. And I I think that was because of what he had done, done or was trying to do to her sister. Right, right. Annie Farmer, who testified in the Maxwell trial. But now also, you know, these are legit people, man. These are serious, legit people. And there's these Twitter superstars out there doing their investigations and their research and trying to trash these people, these real people who are really involved. And at the same time, propping up these. There's a lot of crackpots around this whole thing, too, just with totally, completely made up stories uh, that have come to me as well, uh, looking for an attorney. And then there's story completely changes midstream and they're still living with the people they claim with sex trafficking that it's just bizarre they're, they're openly admitting using meth <laughs> you know, just like all kind of crazy stuff there too man so it just it's a circus man this thing's become a circus well of course because now the, the media sees money in it especially because the you know the the main player in it is you know no longer there to defend himself or point fingers at others yeah yeah now, like uh, with Ghislaine Maxwell, do you think she'll ever say anything? Good question. Uh, you know, if you look at her deposition, man, the, the, I don't know who prepped her for that deposition. Uh, I don't know. Uh, she she listened to my show, by the way, too. We did a show that we, with uh, Hoffenberg predicted she was already dead. And they came back to us and told us, no, she's not. <laughs> so she listens to the show. You know, OJ's listened to my show. We had Johnny Depp's lawyer listen to the show. Uh, very amazing what the, the reach you have out there without realizing it. Yeah. But um, what do you call it? Uh, she what, this doesn't seem to have the kind of savvy that uh, people give her. Like if she was wrapping her phone in, in aluminum foil, thinking that that's going to prevent it from being tracked. You know, you could buy, you buy a Faraday bag. You could buy them on, on Amazon. You could buy a Faraday bag, put your phone in there. It's gonna, yeah. It just makes no sense. 
you know, uh, I don't know what's going on with, with all that. Um, it seemed like amateur hour, uh, a lot going on. But then again, you know, her father, uh, uh, Robert Maxwell, long uh, spook there, you know, and and all that whole cast of characters. Something, um, is she ever going to talk? I, I don't think they, she could talk. I don't think she can talk because uh, she's got those intelligence connections. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, if she she does decide, you know, that, hey, maybe I'll get a lighter sentence or they'll go a little easier on me if I say something, you know, we're going to end up with a suicide. <laughs> you know, and I, I say that because I've seen a lot of people, you know, online talking about, you know, what, well, when is she going to, you know, give up the list? Oh, the list, the list. <laughs> list. You know, by, you know, by the way, too, that's a, the, 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 the list. Okay, that, that, That's right up there with the Epstein didn't kill himself, pedophile island, and Lolita Express, these catchphrases that they make viral. How come there was never a meme saying, hey, let's boycott Victoria's Secrets? You yeah. know? Well, well, nothing. That never took hold, did it? You know? I never. What about the Butterfly Trust? How come there's no meme about the Butterfly Trust? Where you have Endike and Khan down in the Virgin Islands, they're administrating the uh, the Epstein tr uh, will trust the estate, and they create a trust under their wife's name and pay themselves ten million bucks. They steal ten million bucks from that estate with absolutely no consequences, nothing, not even hey, pay it back, dudes. Yeah, you know? well, well, that's the kind of thing you know makes at least makes me wonder of uh, who's overseeing all this and allowing them to get away with it. Well, you know. He, uh, the government of the Virgin Islands is not like the, the government of New York. Yeah, <laughs> things are a little fast and loose. Yeah, uh, and that was a lot of money down there, man. They had a lot of incentive to snatch up that money, man. I, I give them credit for that. Uh, not to not that they, they did anything untoward. <laughs> Unfortunate, but the, the potential was there for sure. Um, but uh, uh, we we're talking about memes uh, and. Uh, uh, I should be writing notes as I talk to him. Yeah, that's all right. No yeah. worries. I mean, we're we're talking about the memes and you, you know the level of disinformation that that's coming out. You know about yeah. everything. Um, a good example is, at least to me, is uh, Wes Wexler. You know, oh yeah. You know, they they painted that just Epstein was you know overseeing his finances. I've read things that say, you know, there's a very good possibility that Epstein was bilking him for money without him knowing it. And that's how he made his fortune. Well, also, too, he's up to his neck in that Ohio State University scandal yes. where they, they opened up the locker rooms that any, anybody who worked there at the college can go go use these locker rooms where these you know young teen boys were over there showering. And and that was like a when you read I mean, I interviewed a, a, a lawyer who was also a plaintiff in that case, and uh, another pl a plaintiff in that case. I've talked to him off the air extensively, trying to get him to come on the air. In fact, I blew a big case with mm. that. He he brought me a client, man. I could have made a ton of money. But that was like a a, a bathhouse in the seventies in New York. They were having sex, gay sex, in the locker rooms, in the hallways, in the showers. It was Caligula going on in that freaking locker room, okay? Uh, so it wasn't like a situation where, oh, uh, uh, Jim Jordan had to have seen. Everyone knew what was going on. They were making complaints every single day. They were shutting down. They were locking up certain hallways that people couldn't go use them for sex. The abuse that went on from that doctor, okay, which was a very small portion of what went on down in the, the OSU, 
took place in the Wexner building. Mm-hmm. Wexner is on the board of trustees. His wife is still on the board of trustees. They're deciding on, on, on the ethics of her husband's involvement, all that stuff like that. It's a total conflict of interest. Epstein donated tons of money to that college. Oh, the list. The list. We want to see the list, the client list, okay? There are no clients. There's no clients, man. What clients are we talking about? Someone came up with this crazy theory on TikTok, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> saying that, well, if if Keelan Maxwell was uh, trafficking children, where are the clients she was getting paid to traffic these children? There's no evidence of Maxwell getting or, or Epstein getting paid by anyone. Maxwell was paid by Epstein. We know that. Okay. Yes. He was paying her to bring him, uh, pimp out kids to, to him. Okay. But all these other people that he was providing these children to, they weren't paying him anything. He was paying, the money was going the other way. He was donating money to these uh, uh, music camps and ballet schools. And uh, back, I hate to keep harping on this Royal Palms High School because that was at the center of this, man. Epstein had. The school transcripts of these little girls, when they, when they, he didn't even bother to burn those transcripts when they were cleaning out that house before the raid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't even bother to destroy that because he knew how much the, he had Palm Beach in his pocket. There's so much corruption there that Royal Palms, and everyone knew what was going on there. Okay. Because when I was vetting out cases for this, man, so many women came to us who were in, in that school during that period of time. They all knew about this, what was going on, that these girls were getting paid 200 bucks to bring other girls there to get 300 bucks. It was like a Ponzi scheme, you know? Yeah. So uh, the list, there is no list of clients that, that were paying Epstein for anything, he was paying the other way around. Um, and uh, this latest uh, unsealing of this uh, defamation case, um, there's no evidence that any of these people are clients. Just because their name shows up in these things doesn't mean the damn thing. This never went to trial. These, these people were never cross-examined. Uh, they have this woman here who did a deposition. She says, well, Epstein told me that Bill Clinton liked his women young. Well, William Mercy was in the jail cell with Epstein, and he says Epstein told him that Bill Clinton liked mature women. I interviewed many of the women around Epps, uh, around Bill Clinton, and they all said that he liked mature women, that he wasn't as violent rapist as that they, the, uh, Ann Coulter and Brett Kavanaugh try to portray him to be. Uh, it's also my understanding. I had talked about this last night. I'm no fan of Bill Clinton, so don't put me in that box. Yeah, I'm, I know. <laughs> yeah, okay. But no, like, people get triggered. You know, you're trying to, you know, if you just want to talk about what the facts are, man. But Bill Clinton had a couple of uh, heart surgeries, one in 2004, one in 2010. Uh, and he was put on those beta blockers, man, which causes impotence. So you know, there's other ways to abuse women, rather if you know, even if your, your equipment doesn't work. Uh, so who knows with that? But uh, I, I think this portrayal of Clinton, this voracious sexual appetite, is just um, imaginary, you know. And, and I talked, I interviewed all the women around Clinton. I had the same agent as uh, Paula Jones, okay. Uh, so you know. I, I know all the gossip around all this stuff, you know, the, the Secret Service agents. I was involved in an investigation of the Secret Service, you know, uh, congressional investigation. So uh, it's not like a foreign, far away world to me. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> when you look, I don't know if I ever told you the story, Ian. <laughs> okay. But, but remember um, at the Intrepid Museum, it was on the, I think it was October 19th when Trump was debating Hillary Clinton at the Intrepid Museum. Yes. Okay. And and he had all those women there, Kathleen Willey, uh, Juanita Broderick, uh, Paula Jones, right? 
um, the, the Intrepid Museum is owned by a guy named Fisher, okay, the Fisher Foundation. Uh, and he has a strange um, uh, passion where he, when his friends have a funeral, he hires like 500 New York City cops to show up at the funeral and play the bagpipes and do the honor guard and this whole thing. The guy who was working that job for him to, to hire those New York City police officers was a guy named Keith Schiller, who later on became the uh, Trump's head of security, then he became the White House manager, and he actually went at one point went to Iraq and <laughs> negotiated some deal in Iraq. Keith Schiller. Okay, that Keith Schiller, when I started my little PI business, or my partner who knows Keith Schiller very well, Keith Schiller said, you're not allowed to work with Ed Arperman. Otherwise, my little tiny company was competing with this guy in the Fisher Foundation. But we're talking about the, the, the Intrepid Museum and that meeting there. I was contacted by a guy who worked for Roger Stone, okay, and says, Ed, we need Kathy O'Brien's phone number. We want to get her down here, too. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I, I know everyone in that room. Schiller knows me. Giuliani was there. Giuliani knows me. All these women know me. And when they needed Kathy O'Brien's phone number, they says, get me an opera, man. <laughs> okay. So all this stuff isn't far away from me, man. This is, you know, this is stuff by people I chat with, you know, I communicate with. Well, yeah. And, and you know, like I said, you know, I've listened to a lot of the shows you've done. You, a lot of the information you have is not information that is out there in the mainstream media. In fact, most yeah. of the time they, they're keeping their hands clean of it. Well, yeah, I just did a show last night, you know, and, and I played a bunch of repeats this week. Copperfield's name coming up yes. in this deposition, David Copperfield. I did a show about Copperfield years ago. Okay, uh, there was about 2017, uh, because this guy has this guy has his own island, Copperfield, his own very serious rape allegations that he had that he would the women would come to his uh, magic act and he would pick them out in the audience and say, hey, if you want to be involved in the magic act? And he would have them fill out a questionnaire with their hobbies, their marital status and all this kind of stuff. And then he would contact them later on and say, oh, hey, you know, I can help your modeling career if you come down to this party we're having down on my island, which is what he did to this one young lady. And, and, and the allegations against him took away her passport. He was had her head under the water trying to drown her. OK, she had no way to get off this freaking island. Very, very serious allegations, way more than what's come out in his stupid defamation uh, litigation. OK, that people should be talking about. All right. Um, and then that case got dropped because the woman got raped by another guy. And, and they said, oh, well, she gets raped all the time. I mean, you know, screw it. Forget her. You know, uh, she, she doesn't count. Her, her, uh, she has no value, this one. There was another uh, civil litigation against Mr. Copperfield uh, in Nevada that uh, was dropped because of the statute of limitations. But that was a very legitimate case, too, as well. Um, so Copperfield has a long, sordid history of doing this kind of stuff, man. And so with this little quote from him. That, that 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 because he visited. Hey, by the way, he was at many Epstein parties, not just that one uh, in the the deposition there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I get so upset these days, you know. <laughs> it's, it's understandable. Um, uh, it's just before, so frustrating. Oh uh, no, it's it's understandable. It's something you've put a lot of time and uh, effort into, you know, finding out about, you know, both in, in your personal and professional yeah. life. Uh, before we went on the air, you were talking about uh, the island and the possibility of cruises stopping by there. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it, man. The, the big one that came out is this week is, uh, whoa, 
you know, uh, the Biden, Joe Biden owns Water Island. And he, he, Mr. Biden family has a private island, too. And it's only eight miles away from uh, Epstein Island, okay, from uh, Little St. James. And uh, there's a submarine base on Water Island. <laughs> so uh, Biden and his family were getting into a submarine and going to visit Epstein Island, okay, is the meme out there right now. Water Island is a big freaking island. It's not a private island. They got bars there, restaurants, and hotels. They got roads where you could drive cars. Epstein had a private island. He used to get around on golf carts, okay, on that little island, okay? Uh, but Water Island's a big island. And, yeah, Joe Biden's brother has a house on Water Island like a lot of people do. And was that – could Joe Biden – the money probably came from corruption through Joe Biden. I'm sure of that. You know, I, I don't think uh, these guys are involved in charity work. There's quite a bit of documentation of Hunter Biden and John Kerry's son, too, by the way, going around the world with their hand out saying, hey, we're here to collect the money. <laughs> okay? But when you hear the Devin Archer uh, uh, testimony before Congress, he starts to talk about uh, John Kerry's son. And they said, oh, we don't want to hear about that. <laughs> Just Hunter. I got some great info. I, I've interviewed everybody about that Hunter Biden uh, story, man. If you ever want to have me come back and tell you my involvement in the Hunter Biden story, too, that involves John Bonet Ramsey, I got a great story for you there. Oh, certainly. Definitely. Yeah. That's a case that I've been asked to cover quite often is the the uh, John Bonet Ramsey case. Um, oh, yeah. Since I asked you to come on, though, is I've told you, I've told other people, I had a member of the FBI ask me to start covering cases of uh, sex trafficking. Mm. There's not a lot of people doing it. Um, I started doing it. Now everybody's doing it. Uh, unfortunately, though, there a lot of the people that are doing it are basically tagging on to that movie that came out this past year. Oh. Uh the price of freedom or whatever they're not really focusing in on where a big portion of the problem is with the which is southeast asia mm. uh which is where a lot of the the uh the networks are are located at and i bring that up to bring up the fact do you think that there's a possibility uh that epstein may have had you know been involved in a larger ring we saw last year peter nigard get popped for all of basically doing the exact same things that Epstein w did. Do you think there might be a possibility of a tie in between there? No. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, there was something with this bunch and their ability to get visas. <laughs> Jean-Luc Brunel, uh, who uh, visited Jeffrey Epstein when he was doing that 18 month sentence, he visited him in jail more times than there were visiting days. So on one day he visited twice or on several, you know, maybe he missed a day when it was, if, uh, but he visited more times than there were available visiting days. Uh, that's how close he was to Epstein. There was some, some litigation between them too. You know, uh, Brunel claimed that uh, Epstein had soiled his uh, stellar reputation. <laughs> okay. um, by the way, too, I interviewed Heather Braden who knew Brunel and the uh, work and she met Epstein. She knew Trump, you know, and, um, uh, very interesting woman. And Steve Mnuchin is on the Brunel modeling agency paperworker as a, uh, uh, what do they call that, the uh, uh, agent, uh, registered agent. He's the registered agent on that paperwork. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, oh, I don't know how that happened, he says. But Heather Braden says, oh, no, he was hanging around down there all the time. 
So that's another Trump connection too, buddy. Of, um, they they had a way of importing girls as young as twelve years old with these these visas. Trump had his own modeling agency too, Trump Modeling Agency, and there was a lawsuit against him because he would he would get these girls as young as twelve years old. Okay, his website at the time said twelve years old. He was importing these girls, and he put them up in these studio apartments on bunk beds, and uh, they would wind up only making like eight thousand dollars over a two-year, three-year period, because uh, they would take the, uh, subtract everything, the rent, the limousine, the makeup, and the hair from their modeling fees. So he was making good money off these modeling companies, and the, the models were being treated like slaves. And of all his businesses, the golf courses, the construction companies, the majority of his use of the HB1 visa process was for Trump modeling agency. Brunel, the same thing. He had those visas, man. And they had some kind of thing, too, with frequent flyer miles to upgrade people to, to first class. Uh, the thing going on with them, too, with that bunch, with Epstein and this bunch. So was Epstein involved with, with these modeling agencies and the modeling world? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, and and the trafficking that went around that. Well, yeah, it's, when I was uh, late teens, I was I lived in Manhattan, and there was a modeling agency based out of the Triangle Building there in um, the Village. It was common knowledge that the girls who were working at that modeling agency were also being pimped out on the side. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy a guy I worked with, he did all of their portfolios and everything. He flat out told me, you can offer him the right price. There's not a girl that works there that, you know, won't uh, become willing. So, you know, people people are just looking in at that high school, though. They're not looking in at, you know, this wider picture that a lot of these guys were working hand in hand with one another. Oh, you know, I, I actually uh, just recently I have a list of 150 of the women who worked for Epstein. Uh, not worked for him, but, but some of them were trafficked and some, some of them were willing, you know, workers. Uh, escorts and masseuses and stuff like that. And they have their pictures, their names, their addresses, all kind of stuff. Uh, 150 of these women. And many of them have gone on to nice careers, man, in their life, you know, working for magazines and, uh, you know, some pretty big jobs. Uh, so, yeah, that's part of, you know, I'm from Vegas, man. The modeling business in Vegas, too, is pretty much the same thing, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I have one more question to wrap up with. Um, Something that people don't always touch on, and I try and, whenever I cover something like this, I try and touch on it. Uh, do you think Epstein was actually, you know, a pedophile, or was it an, a situation where, you know, such as Jimmy Savile, he was targeting the weakest that he could get, age wasn't a factor? You know this case better than most. Yeah, 100%. And he, especially after his arrest, he, when he would talk privately with people, he would defend his lifestyle, saying, "Hey, listen, this this is how everyone did. You know, this is natural. It's normal." Um, I interviewed the woman. I forget her name right now. Who is the the uh, character portrayed in that movie Manhattan? The fourteen year old girl that was dating Woody Allen. Yes. Uh, she was a model, and she uh, dated Woody Allen. Uh, she dated Carlos Castaneda. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she worked for Epstein as an assistant, and she worked for Robert Evans as an assistant. So there's, the, and she says she was not a victim. She says, no, 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 I was 14. I dated these men. I, you know, I'm, I'm fine for it. I have no complaints about my life with these people. 
Epstein had that attitude that, you know, I'm, I'm being good to these women. I'm getting them jobs. I'm getting them careers in their life. And I'm, you know, and he had an interest, a sexual interest in, in little girls, the younger, the better. Okay. So we're just about at the hour before we I let you do plugs or anything. Is there anything else about this case that you would like to talk about? Well, Dershowitz's name came up to this week, and uh, I, I, I've been talking about this since 2019. Dersh, there was a series of, of uh, lawsuits back and forth, defamation lawsuits between Dershowitz and Brad Edwards and Peter Casal, uh, where they were suing each other back and forth. Dershowitz had claimed that Edwards and Casal uh, did a sloppy job and that their, their client uh, was a Jane Doe client at the time, I believe it was Goufrey, um, uh, was uh, blind through her teeth, okay? And they sued each other for defamation. Dershowitz paid to settle that lawsuit. So he was accused of raping a little girl, and he paid to settle rather than going to trial. That was in 2019. So people should take a good look at that. And, and, and Dershowitz, man, he, Dershowitz is the one behind. You know that ABC News hot mic where they says, oh, we had all this. We had all this about the Epstein. And they made a show of that. Dershowitz is the one who shut that down. And he brags about it. So well, yeah, uh, a lot of times he's talking about, oh, you know, he's protecting his client uh, when he talks about the stuff having to deal with Epstein. I've seen interviews where he says that, you know, uh, that he was out there, you know, he, he, he was hired to protect his client. Yeah, but they had a very close friendship. He even said at one point, that even if he didn't, even if he wasn't a billionaire, we'd still be friends. So, but, but now what's he going to say now, you know, and he, he wrote a book saying, I'm cleared. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he wrote his own book to say that he was uh, cleared of all this. But if people want to find me Friday nights, uh, I do a live show every Friday night on Spreaker.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me is on Spreaker. Um, Opperman Report, Ed Opperman, Private Investigator. You can find me at uh, uh, the Opperman Report Patreon. I've got, a, I got that 24-page letter on there. A lot of exclusive stuff, but way before it comes out. I got the, the, the screenshot of the, the Dershowitz, uh, you know, where they, where they say he, he settled the case, you know. Uh, I got all that kind of stuff all the time. The, the, the litigation with the Maria Farmer against the FBI, I have that on there. All for free. That's all in the free section on Patreon. Uh, the 24-page Clinton letter, I've had that for years and years and years. Um, I even have the, the Proud Boys manifesto that came out in this recent uh, litigation. I've had that for years. And when you see my version, the version I have is a clearer screenshot. <laughs> it's a clearer copy than the one they had in court. So my copy is better than the one that was in court. Uh, so I don't know how you could beat all that kind of content. For two ninety eight, man, I'm, I'm lowering my prices to undercut Ian Totten and his Patreon. Two ninety eight, you know, why waste all that money on Ian Totten's uh, Patreon? <laughs> Where you can get mine so much cheaper, man. It's a much greater value. Well, I am, I'm, a, I am a patron, and uh, I can I say know. say that there's a lot of great content on there. Um, you know, there's, you name it, you cover it. Yeah, and I have something coming up. It's a historic interview I'm doing. The man's never been interviewed before. It's fact, it's so um, – his, you know, people have died around this story, okay? And the fellow at the center of it has never done an interview. I'm interviewing him. It involves all these same characters, Maxwell, Khashoggi, all these characters too uh, are in, in in this story that that, that I got too. But uh, we can't get into that. But uh, that's coming up too. People keep an eye out for that. That's a big deal. All right. You mentioned people dying around this. I know there was someone who who was tied to all of the Epstein stuff this week that supposedly I think he dove out of a window or something. 
I didn't catch that one, but you know there is a story about how one of the the uh, plaintiffs, the young women, uh, died of, of a drug overdose in a hotel in Palm Beach, and uh, and people are trying to make that sound like a uh, um, nefarious uh, Epstein hit squad cleanup crew, uh, where where it's not. People need to look more. You know, it was, it was a drug overdose. You know, they had, she had a history of drugs, and and, and was was being taken advantage of financially. Well, yeah, no, it's, people don't grasp that concept that these women who've been, you know, abused oftentimes do end up with serious drug issues. And also, too, a lot of these women who are trafficked later on went on to own their own escort services and uh, went into the same business, which is that just happens. That just happens, you know. Well, it's you know, that's understandable. It's, it's the life they know. It's all you they know. Yeah. Victimized and now they're going to victimize others. But well, yeah, this is the way I know how to make money. So, you know, I, I made money like this before. This is how you do it. Yeah. You know, that's how it is. All right. Well, I'm going to thank you for coming on the show, Ed. I appreciate it. No, thank you for letting me vent. You know, it, it does feel good to get a lot of stuff off my chest sometimes. So certainly anytime you want to come on the show, you are more than welcome. We I'll are... send you that, that clip of the Hunter Biden stuff. You're going to love it. Oh, certainly. <laughs> okay. I, I would appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So there is our interview with private investigator Ed Opperman. Again, you can find him on the Opperman Report, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, also on most social media sites under the Opperman Report. Until next week, the Deathcast is a production of Corpse Creep Publishing in association with Big Pond Podcasting. Stay morbid. Thank you, Ian. Yep. Thank you.